Welcome to the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, my goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices, instead look for the processes and questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. I'm Will Patch, Enrollment Marketing Leader here at Niche, and my guest today is Carlos Cano. Carlos is the Director of Admissions, Communications, and Marketing at George and Court University. In addition to his work leading the Admissions, Marketing, and Communications, he's a passionate advocate for growth and has served New Jersey ACAC since 2012 and just wrapped up his three-year president cycle last year. Carlos is now taking up the challenge of chairing New Jersey ACAC's regional college fairs as we hopefully move out of the pandemic for the next recruiting cycle. Welcome and thanks for making time to chat today, Carlos. Thanks so much, Will. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm excited to get to chat here. We we usually get to uh, chat back and forth on Twitter, so this is a lot more fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm going to start off here with two questions I ask everybody. So first up, what's something you tried that didn't work and what did you learn? This is such a great question. And of course, in preparing for it, I went back and listened to previous episodes of the podcast and mm-hmm. listening to some of my friends and, and peers ponder over this one. And similar to them, I could run a great list, probably longer than I care to admit, <laughs> of things that I've tried uh, that didn't work. For me, what comes to mind most presently is not trying something and then wondering what if, whether it's from a personal, uh, professional standpoint, especially in, in the times that we're in right now with the pandemic, I have taken on the approach that nothing is not on the table. Every opportunity is an opportunity that can be addressed and spoken about. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, then yeah, we can certainly still learn from it. I like the way you flipped that. Is there, <laughs> is there something that really stood out when you were thinking back and saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to wonder what if again? Yeah, it's great that you asked me that actually, because this really just happened to me recently with my transition to Georgian court. Obviously, it's always uh, a significant step or a milestone when you make a transition from one job to another. And then to do so in the middle of a pandemic is obviously unprecedented, right? Like, I don't think any of us would have ever thought that we would be making any kind of life decisions or, or anything like that in the midst of something so significant for everyone. In making my decision to make the move to Georgian court, that's ultimately what it came down to was, you know, if I don't do this now, if I don't seize this opportunity right now that it's here and there's a reason why it's here in front of me now and not before and not later, if I passed up the opportunity, I would just continuously wonder what if for the rest of my life. And I just couldn't, I don't, I don't know that I could uh, live very comfortably knowing that in the back of my mind and having kind of that thought pester me uh, for, for a long time. So I said, you know what, there's, there's a reason why this is happening here and now. I said, you know what, let's, let's do this. Let's make this happen. And, and ultimately in the last two months, I think it has been great because the match between myself and my team at Georgian Court has just been great. Seeing a a number of people make this leap at a time when everything's upside down already, I just have a tremendous amount of respect for for that kind of bravery of, hey, let's let's do this. Let's make an improvement. 
at a time when we're all just trying to get by and it seems like you're thriving. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I definitely am. And and the one last thing I'll add just to that real quick is my wife too. My wife just, I got to a point where I kept asking her for feedback and insight. And she basically said to me, she said, Carlos, it looks like you're trying to find reasons not to do this as opposed to seeing all the reasons why you should. And, and Mm -hmm. that for me was, was it right. They, I guess, you know, your wife's always right is what they've always told me. So (laughs) there's another example. She was absolutely right. Yep. Yep. That's a good lesson to learn early on as well. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What, what practices do you use when you're brainstorming and bringing new ideas into your work? Again, I thought this was another great question because I sat back and I was like, what what do I really do? How do I deliberately go about trying to think of new ideas? And especially, again, in, in these times that we're in, anything and everything is possible. I think we've always said that in admissions and enrollment, but especially over the course of almost a year now, there's no silly idea or goofy idea that could be brought to the table. What I have found more recently is that I talked to my kid. Uh, I have an 11 year old and I'm very mindful of the fact that at some point I'll be recruiting basically her and her friends and classmates and whatnot. And my daughter also does a really good job of reminding me that I'm not cool anymore, even though I really (laughs) think I am and I try my best to be, I'm really not. So what she does for me is she actually, number one, keeps me up to date on what is cool, you know, and again, it's 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 from a slightly different perspective, because like I said, she's 11. But I I do that knowing that her generation and her group of of students is going to come up and get older and that there are parallels and similarities uh, between what they're looking for, what grabs their attention. Uh, what doesn't grab their attention for that matter. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do. And and I, I talk to her and I try to, again, try to be on the same page of, of coolness and hipness with her. From that is where I, I, I get some ideas, some perspective on how to talk to students and how to best uh, relate to them and keep them engaged. It's a win-win because I, I get to spend that quality time uh, with her and really uh, chat and, and get to see what's going on and what she's thinking and how her her brain works and then get to bring some some new ideas and perspective to the table at work. Fantastic. I like that question because it can be hard to think about how you come up with ideas and feel like that everyone has a different process. And I really I really like this one. I'm sure, you know, at 11 that she's always good at, at giving constructive feedback as well. <laughs> constructive feedback. And and I guess constructive in that it's very blunt and straightforward. And <laughs> you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, she's my kid. So I want that honesty 100 yeah. percent from her. And it, again, it gives me a glimpse of what uh, students may ultimately be thinking that for one reason or another, maybe they're not willing to say or, or mm-hmm. be forthcoming about. But you know that the uh, thought could potentially be out there. And that's great to have that built-in uh, focus group as well. For sure. 
So you've moved into this new role now. So how have you and your team been building Affinity this year? It's it's very different than anything we've tried to do in the past. 100%. It was one of those things that I kept thinking about even before I was offered the job and, and, and accepted it and whatnot. I, I really kept thinking about, goodness, how... How am I really going to develop relationships with my team, knowing that we, A, are not in person every day for that matter? I mean, we have been going into the office here and there, but it's never all of us all together at one time or in a room, in a conference room or something like that for for a meeting as we've been traditionally used to. I've tried my best over the last two months to really just try to inject myself in terms of my personality and my experience and what I bring to the table uh, at every possible opportunity that we are collectively together, whether it's in a Zoom or on Teams or whatever the case is, and just being able to show my team who I am, where I come from, But it has certainly been very unique. It has been, of course, I I mean, to say it isn't a challenge would would definitely, you know, not be true. It has certainly has been and will continue to be. But I think on the other side of things, it is also a learning experience. It has, I think, allowed all of us to grow from the perspective of being able to adapt to a new way and style of communicating and of engaging one another. I, I think having said that, I don't think any of this this virtual thing is going away mm-hmm. at all. And so that's why I think it's so important that we've been able to to go through this and learn from it because it will be here for a, a very long time, if not forever, that's for sure. Yeah, it opens up campus to people much further away. And I think that we're we're getting much better when people are willing to travel again. I think it's going to make recruiting out of state, outside your area, so much easier. Absolutely, 100%. And again, and that's all part of learning and adapting to new skills and new resources that are now available. And I think it will only make professionals in admissions and enrollment that much better at what they do. Was there anything that you came in and immediately saw and said, hey, this this is awesome. We need to double down on this style of messaging or this style of event. And then how did you bring some of the things that you knew worked that you wanted to tweak? Because that can be hard to do when you're not all there together to kind of build that buy-in, I would think. There is a huge opportunity for counselors to work with prospective students really on a one-on-one level, even prior to the point of application in some instances. And Having seen that very early on when I started, I really tried to empower the staff in any way possible, whether it was by providing them with talking points and items that they should try to talk upon uh, when talking to students and families, but really just leveraging that strength, the ability that they do have these relationships with students and not taking them for granted because other institutions for one reason or another may not be able to do that. And so it's one of those things that allows us to stand out in a crowd, uh, especially in a crowd, in a crowd, in that proverbial crowd, so to speak, where students are not necessarily able to visit campus for one reason or another, like you said. And so Mm -hmm. it really becomes very important 
for the relationship that is developed between an admissions counselor and a prospective student. That relationship can in many ways be the end-all be-all between a student choosing your institution over someone else. Speaking about relationships, a lot of the yield season is about connecting students to each other and, and helping build that sense of belonging and letting them really get to know each other as much as the institution. So how are you connecting students to each other and building that cohort virtually now? So we have really taken on the approach of looking at things from a very broad standpoint for a student and then providing them with a menu uh, of items, if you will, that they can engage in in order to make this next big decision in their lives. Typically in the past, of course, student goes through their process and when they get accepted, they're usually brought to a large-scale event, an accepted student day or something like that on campus. And it's that one-stop shop, right, where they can get any and all of their questions answered. And it's always, of course, an ongoing process. It's never just limited to one day. But certainly when you're able to do things in person, it does provide a bit of a different experience, of course. 2021 is the perfect time to try out these bite-sized events where you can actually highly personalize them. You know, connect your incoming class, prospective students, to other current students, to faculty, to staff, in their area, in their discipline, rather than trying these one-size-fits-all events. So give it a try. I think Carlos is right on track here. This time, being all virtual, we've taken on an approach where we want to, of course, be very mindful to educate students on what their next steps are, how we can assist them through their process, whether it's financial aid or scholarships, things of that nature, and then really digging down. And for us, it's really about digging down on our strengths at Georgian Court. And again, being a smaller institution with a very, very tight-knit community it is very important for us, and again, it's one of our strengths to be able to connect these prospective students with not only their future classmates, but now we, we also know that it's very important for them to touch base with those potential future professors that are going mm -hmm. to be teaching them in the classroom and guiding them over the course of the next four or so years that, that they're in college. And so that's what we're doing. We're providing students with the opportunity to be able to sit down uh, with members of the faculty to talk about their programs, to talk about outcomes, professional experiences and opportunities uh, so that, again, students can have all of the information that they need on, at their fingertips uh, from the people who ultimately are going to have a huge impact on their lives moving forward. Typically, we know at this stage, of the process, they've heard from their admissions counselor plenty, and that relationship will still be very important moving all the way through uh, the yield process and even beyond deposit phase and so forth. But now they do need to start hearing from, again, their faculty, the people that they're going to be living with from a professional standpoint in the residence halls, uh, who's going to be working with them on their internship down the line when it's when it comes time for them to engage in that kind of an experience. So that's that's what we're doing. Uh, we've had some very early success 
uh, with our financial aid offerings in that uh, similar setting where it's a really personalized setting. And now we've taken it the next step to involve everyone on campus. And we're very hopeful that it will yield those same great results that we've seen uh, even just with financial aid. That's fantastic. With the faculty and some of these highly segmented uh, offerings as part of the yield, are you doing them in sort of a breakout room of a larger event or are you having separate events? Are you trying to cap sizes that students can get more one-on-one? How's that working for you? So what we're doing is uh, when we're talking specifically about prospective students that have not yet been accepted uh, and and are are not at that particular milestone just yet, so our our open houses and whatnot, uh, we do have breakout session opportunities. So it does become a much smaller a uh, number of students uh, with members of the faculty, and it's not, it's usually more than one member of the faculty. It's two or three with a, a smaller group of students, obviously smaller than, than the overall number that attend the event. Mm-hmm. And so beyond the acceptance portion, an overwhelming majority of those students have attended an event in the past. Most of them at this point, again, all virtual, but there are a good amount that have also been on campus prior to their applying. Uh, And so now, because we know that and because we know that they've been on campus, we take it to that next level once they're accepted or once they've committed to us and saying, all right, now you have the opportunity to really on a personal level with you, you know, whoever's at home, and then that member of the faculty or that member of student life or that member of athletics or whoever it might be, go ahead and have a conversation that's really geared towards what it is that you need to know, that you want to know about your next steps, about the process, about what Georgian court will be to you. Because at the end of the day, I think for every student, it's all about what is X institution going to do for me? And we want to provide students and families with the opportunity to be able to get the answers to those questions and why they should pick, in my case, in our case at Georgian Court, why they should pick GCU, uh, which is one of the one of our hashtags, hashtag YGCU, because every student has a very different and unique answer. And we want them to find that answer or at least start to develop what that answer is over the course of this process. Do you have a sense so far of how they're connecting to each other and are they making those friendships? I know that was always one of the things I love seeing at the Yield events, you know, the students meeting each other and then decide, hey, you know, we really clicked. We want to be roommates. And, you know, some of those you see at at graduation then. Is there that same sense, do you think? That is a great question. And to be very honest, that's something that I don't have a handle on. I don't know that even, you know, the more grassroots members of our staff who are working with the students on a more daily basis are seeing as well. Uh, we do have a Facebook group uh, for our accepted students, and that has started to pick up a little bit of traction. Facebook is not necessarily the environment where we find this generation of students, but some of them are there. And like I said, in the last week or two, that has started to pick up some traction. But to your point, it's not something that we've been able to physically see as we do at an accepted student day event or a scholarship luncheon or uh, even a campus tour. 
right? Our campus tours right now are so are limited and they're limited to typically one family at a time. So we're not really getting to see those interactions. What I would speculate is that no different than in the past. We know that students kind of take it upon themselves to find their potential new classmates and peers and colleagues and develop these groups on their own organically, whether it's on, on Instagram or on Snapchat, TikTok, I guess, for, the, for, for this go around too, well, we, we have to add TikTok to the list. Um, and so many other things that that are being introduced in the world of social media. And so I most certainly hope that those conversations are still happening, even behind the scenes as we get out of the uh, pandemic situation. Has there been any surprise positive feedback from students and parents about their experience with your virtual events? The parent feedback to me has been the most surprising. I'm very curious to see in this cycle how parents receive the efforts that institutions are making across the board. Last cycle was unique from the perspective of it was, it ultimately, because of the circumstances, had to be very reactive to the time and everything that was happening. And it happened so quickly that everyone was realistic and reasonable. Folks understood what it meant to now have to pivot all of a sudden because of something beyond anybody's control. Mm -hmm. So what I found was from starting to do these Zoom events and the things that we were thinking through that we thought would work and would resonate, parents were the ones reaching out to our team. And again, this is last year for me, so I was still at Maritime College, and they were reaching out to us but for the first time, I think the feedback came more from parents and families saying, wow, this was, you know, this was great. This was very insightful. And, and they were asking questions in the Zoom chat or whatever medium we happened to be using for an event. So I, that definitely was, was very surprising to me in a great way. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, because I again, I had some very fruitful conversations with parents and family members over the course of the cycle. And so this year, I'm curious to see what that response will be, because now everyone understands the situation that we're in. There is a certain expectation now of the quality of an event that you'll put on in the virtual space. Last year, I don't think that there were really any expectations other than doing something where you could ask questions and see a face on the screen that you know mm -hmm. was the dean or an assistant director or whatever this year will definitely be different in the sense of okay this is the landscape that we're in now and so okay we're like what are you going to be able to do for me in this space that's going to uh, help you stand out from the rest and both for, again from a student and a parent perspective yeah, I think going forward, it'll be interesting, too, to see if expectations change mm -hmm. and when they can easily get onto campuses. Is the reaction going to change? Is it? I think we've learned a lot. And I think that the virtual experience is a great experience now in a lot of cases. For sure. As you moved into this new role, what are you doing to build up your team and help them thrive as a new leader in the critical time? One of the really, I guess, more minor things that I try to do have always done on every team that I've been on is to try to bring some some levity and some you know just a a, a kind of 
kickback and relax moment. And again, in person, you're usually able to do that in a meeting or in something like that by cracking a, a good joke, a, a good joke, not a bad joke, because that, that <laughs> never works when it's a bad joke, but a good joke or engaging in some conversation, uh, whether it's uh, about sports or about something like that, you know, something to kind of have people kind of kick back and relax and talk about something different. Given the times, though, I have found that those interactions for me and how I try to inject my personality and, and who I am amongst the team, I've had to develop a very strong gift game. <laughs> so I'm always looking on teams and wherever to find the next best gift that I'm going to use, whether it's to reply to something in a thread or to encourage someone or to tell someone they did a good job, or whatever the case is. A couple of days ago, one of my colleagues did some work for us, something that came up unexpectedly. It felt like a Batman moment, right? So my response was uh, old school Batman, Michael Keaton, uh, and Batman Returns when he gets up and the bat signals behind him. And uh -huh. I, that was uh, a huge success uh, with my staff. Everyone got a, a nice laugh and... Uh, Again, just that kind of moment of levity. But beyond that, I think, you know, I try not to think too much about it, given that we are in a different circumstance. And so I try to do what I have always done and what has always worked uh, for me in terms of being a team player and a leader is to be there for them in any way, shape or form, whether it's, you know, sometimes they need to run an idea by someone or think something out a little bit further and to also be able to provide them with resources, tips, information. Uh, I've been doing this a lot longer than I care to admit at this point. So now I just try to pay it forward the same way that many of my mentors and people that I've grown up with in this profession have done for me. They have paid it forward with their mentoring and their expertise and their experience. And so now I feel like I'm in a position where I start to do that as well. And it's extremely fulfilling. It's an awesome feeling to do that. But at heart, I will always be the recruitment, social media loving, EM chat centered dude that you know from Twitter and from conferences and, and all of that. Because at the end of the day, those are the things that keep me grounded in the work, that keep me motivated to do the work, and that continue to teach me and mold me into the, the professional that, you know, that I am and that I hope to be uh, down the line. Great. Now that we're hopefully in the home stretch of everything being remote, were there any skills that you had to really kind of tweak and, and quickly get some professional development on to shift from being that guy who's in the office all the time and talking to students and doing all that to, ah, you know, I got to do a quick Zoom meeting or a or video call of some kind with a student. Are there things that helped you make that switch? What I ultimately had to learn very quickly, not necessarily learn quickly, but I think refresh myself on and get back into a, a certain mindset with regards to just being concise and to the point. For better or worse, I can be very chatty. One of the things that we've been seeing and that we find, whether it's through the virtual events that we've been trying to do and, and whatnot, that what you do in person does not necessarily translate or work in the virtual space. Sometimes the conversations that you could have over the course of 45, 60, even 75 minutes, 
in the virtual space, that doesn't work. Those conversations need to be way less, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes, maybe. That is one of those things that I've had to kind of come back to and remember. So my undergraduate degree is in business administration. One of the focuses during my undergraduate career was in professional selling. That mindset and those foundational courses that I took really helped develop my approach to a lot of our work in admissions and enrollment. And so I felt myself going back to those times where we would be given sales role play and they tell you, you only have 10 to 15 minutes to close this deal. So you need to make sure that you are on your game, concise and to the point so that you can get your message across, you can get what you need out of it as well, and then you can go on to the next step. That's really what, what I have come back to during this time is just getting myself to be concise, to the point, get my message across, get the information that I need, and then take it to the next step. That's a great lesson. I'm curious if that's something you work with on your staff of, hey, you know, you might only have five minutes to really pique this student's interest. How do we distill an hour presentation down into five minutes? Absolutely. It's, it's definitely conversations that we will be having that will be ongoing. You probably can look back at historical you know, survey data and, and whatnot and see that that time span gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And so it's very, very important for everybody, for all of us. It's a skill that needs to be learned. We need to be able to really get down to the nitty gritty and, and really approach it very methodically and deliberately to be able to get the message out that we need to get out for students and families and whoever our audience is, and at the same time, be able to get the kind of engagement and the kind of feedback that we're looking for that allows us to take that next step. Yeah, the average attention span is eight seconds right now. But think about this. The average user on Twitch is spending 95 minutes a day streaming. So they're watching people play games, music, talk for 95 minutes a day. So yeah, you only have eight seconds to grab their attention, but if you can entertain and engage, you have a much longer time there that you can tell your story. Just make sure though, that you can catch that attention in the first place. Well, Carlos, this has been fantastic. I appreciate all, all of your time here. If someone wants to reach out and you know maybe they know your name and they just haven't felt like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to talk to Carlos, what are some great ways they can get in touch with you? Well, as you know, I am a, a huge fanatic of the Twitter world. I love mm -hmm. my Twitter. And so at EM Carlos C is my Twitter handle. You can see what I'm up to there. Uh, of course, cannot miss on the opportunity to plug EM chat, hashtag EM chat. Again, I could go on forever about the kind of positive influence and the impact that EM chat has had on my professional career. And also on LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn uh, has, is a fantastic medium from a professional standpoint to engage and to connect. So you can find me there, Carlos Cano, and connect with me there. And those are the two primary ways, but I'm everywhere. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and always open to having any and all kind of conversation because why not, right? Why, why can't we learn from each other? and and engage with one another especially in these times where we're all on that same playing field we're all dealing with with so many of the same challenges 
And so, yeah, if you're if you're out there listening and want to reach out, I do not think at all that I'm any kind of a Twitter celebrity or anything like that, even though I've been told that I am. But I, I really don't think that I am. <laughs> but uh, again, at EM Carlos C., Feel free to connect. It would be a pleasure to speak to you all. EM chat ongoing all the time, but of course, every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you to Will, by the way, who's my now my official EM chat alarm clock so that I don't <laughs> fall asleep and I'm still engaged and active on EM chat, but definitely a great community uh, out there as well. Can't say that enough about EM chat and huge kudos to you, Will, for everything that you've done. Uh, with EM Chat and and thank you for this opportunity. I, I mean, if you'd told high school Carlos back when he was 15 that he was going to be on a podcast someday, I I, I never would have believed it. I mean, I, I really being serious, you know, the, I I love this kind of stuff, and to have had this opportunity is really really humbling, and I really appreciate it. Thanks. That that means a lot. I'm you know I'm I'm always been a big advocate of create connections, talk to people, learn as much as you can. I mean, everything I've learned is because someone gave her their time to share what they know. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Indiana, ACAC, NACAC, just you learn so much when you give back. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you again. Stay safe. Thank you so much, Will. Take care.